This episode of the podcast is brought to you by the letter C. C is for cookie. That's good enough for me. I recently decided that there are five different kinds of people when it comes to cookies. There may be more, but I narrowed it down to five. And I would like to share them with you right now. Are you ready for this? Okay, so one kind of person, if you hand this person a beautiful, lovingly crafted, fresh from the oven, perfect cookie, they will gobble the cookie up and they'll be like, eh, moving on, or what else you got for me, lady? A second kind of person will be like, this is a good cookie. How can we reverse engineer this cookie? What is in this cookie? What are the ingredients that made this cookie so delicious? Let us figure it out so we may never run out of cookies again. Related to this person, I think, is a third kind of person that thinks this cookie is money. How can we make and sell more of these cookies? How can we capitalize on the deliciousness of this cookie and turn it into a profit? A fourth person would be like, thanks, but no thanks. I'm on a diet. I'm allergic to that cookie. For whatever reason, no thank you. And the fifth person would accept the cookie and savor every bite and be really present for the whole experience of the cookie in deep gratitude for that moment with that cookie. I have been learning how to be cookie eater number five. Cookie eater number five is a groovy cookie eater. Change your heart, change your mind, change the way I do the things, and the things will change in kind. Be kind and open to receive, because magic is for Happy Witch Season 4. Happy Witch Season 4. Yeah. Love it. Hello! Thanks for joining me for episode 497 of Hippie Witch, Magic for a New Age. My name is Joanna DeVoe, and I am the groovy cookie eater, cookie maker, cookie eater behind Kick-Ass Witch, putting the K in magic, and Hippie Witch, the show you are listening to right now. I also have a free ebook by that name, Hippie Witch, Peace, Love, and all that good shit, and you can pick up a copy of that at www.joannadevoe.com where you will also find the show notes for this episode which will include quite a few links. I want to link to some friends of mine. That's partly why I am doing this episode here today. I just want to follow up on some guests that I've had on the show that are doing interesting things that I thought you might be interested in hearing about. And I'm partly doing this episode in honor of Kick-Ass Switch's nine-year witchiversary, biz witchiversary. Kick-Ass Switch is nine years old today. I started my first online business in the fall of 2003, and I brought it online the spring of 2004. And then the spring of 2012, I transitioned that business into Kick-Ass Switch and officially launched Kick-Ass Switch on March 5th. So I'm recording this on March 5th, 
2021 and I have creativity on the brain. I was not kidding at the top of the show when I said this episode is sponsored by the letter C because yes, C is for cookie, but C is also for creativity. And I have found that creativity is a kind of religion for me. And I think I'm able to connect with witchy people in particular because witchy people tend to be really creative people, not just in terms of making art, but in the way that they live their life. I think I gravitated toward a witchy lifestyle because it is so creative. You can approach the way that you feed your family in an extremely creative way, from garden to table to the preparation and intention that you infuse the food with. We are people who create these rituals and ceremonies to hold space for important life transitions or change that we want to create on purpose. And there's candles involved and little pieces of paper and sigils, doodles. There's little doodles involved and dried flowers and flame. It's so creative and theatrical and I really enjoy that. That's what drew me on to this path. But also once I was on this path, I encountered people with so many different points of view. There are so many conflicting perspectives within the community and different traditions and different beliefs under the umbrella of paganism or witchcraft or new age spirituality. And so I have always been interested in finding the common thread. I feel for me personally, I'm only speaking for myself, that my path as a spiritual person is my own creation. And when I encounter all these different people that walk all these different paths, the thing that I see that they have in common, whether they worship a god or a goddess or Jack White or a tree or nothing but they love to practice magic. No matter how they present themselves, it seems to me that the common thread is we acknowledge that something created us. We might call that source, life force energy, the universe, God, goddess, whatever. Something created us. The mystery created us. And that is the big C. That is the cosmic creator. And then we acknowledge that we have a hand in creating our life experience from there. And we develop all these different like techniques and methods for creating our life on purpose because we acknowledge that in some ways we are the little C to that big cosmic C. The big C is the macrocosm. It is creative energy. It's what created us. But as the little C, we get to continue that work on and create at will. And that is so exciting and interesting to me. We are the microcosm. Our lives are 
the microcosm. And maybe, maybe this big, mysterious cosmic sea, this creative force created us so that we will continue its work on. So the creation lives on through us and through our lives. And I think that is a process of evolution. I often say that the journey is the creation as opposed to the journey is the destination because I love it. I think that's so cool. It really aligns with my belief that I am co-creating my life with spirit, with the big cosmic sea, with the divine. And I also love it because it reminds me to stay in process, to stay in the creative process and to create my day, create each meal, create every interaction that I have with somebody I love to create it deliberately. I was really thinking about the big C and the little C and how this has become something of a religion for me in a way. It's just a very stripped down, take away all the frills kind of presentation of maybe what I believe. I don't believe a lot, I have to say. If if you hung with me the last few months on Patreon, you know it's true. I question everything. When you try to get to the truth of a matter, it's amazing how elusive truth can get. But this is a truth that I can build my life on. I can be like, yes, something created me. And in living my life, I am creating. Even if I don't see myself as a creative person, which I totally do, it's like my whole identity, but even if I didn't, every choice I make is creative. You cannot escape the creative process. So to me, that is true. And to live your life as a witch or to live your life as an artist or to live your life as an outwardly creative individual, to really put yourself out there, as they say, I think that that requires courage. It's the courage to go your own way. You can go your own way. Go your own way. The way of Stevie Nicks, who everyone knows is an honorary witch. That song, by the way, was not written by Stevie Nicks, but it was written about Stevie Nicks because Stevie Nicks is worthy of having many songs written about her as she has written so many epic songs herself and lived an extraordinary life. Her life is actually an ideal example of the kind of magic I'm talking about here. She is a creative person in that she makes her living making art, but she's also made an art of living, having lived a rare, unusual existence, not to mention self-styling herself in one of the most iconic, ongoing glamour magic spells of our time, from the deeply soulful personal expression of her music to the persona she developed to go with it. Stevie Nicks is a self-created witchy woman or co-created, if you want to look at it that way. But but damn, has she rocked the hell out of her part in that co. As so many witchy people do, and I'm not talking about public figures. I'm talking about the pagans who craft a rich life for themselves and their families around the cycles of nature. I'm talking about 
the hidden introverts pouring their feelings and art and ideas out on the pages of their art journals alone in their rooms at night. I'm talking about the homemaker who imbues the meals she prepares with wishes and prayers and healing intentions. Real people living real lives with the courage to be creative and thus different in or out of the closet, to go their own way despite the noise of those who would have them get in step with the norm, whatever that means, normal, safe, and maybe a little bit dead inside because to get in step with the norm means getting out of step with you, with your soul's creative calling to contribute something to the ongoing unfolding of the great mystery. As Walt Whitman put it, that you are here, that life exists, an identity, that the powerful play goes on and you may contribute a verse. Thank you very much, Robin Williams and Dead Poets Society, for introducing me to Whitman's work back in the day. That movie too, Dead Poets Society. It's saying everything I'm trying to say here and probably better about tapping into the creative force within you to create your life uniquely and courageously. I could have just as easily, too, used Robin Williams as an example of creative living, as I could Stevie Nicks or Eddie Murphy. Can we please talk about Eddie Murphy? (laughs) Coming to America, too. The kid and I watched Coming to America, the first one that came out, I think, in 1988 when I was in high school. The kid had never seen it, and I forgot how many swear words are in that movie and naked boobies, but we watched it. I try to shelter my kid from that stuff to some degree, even though he is 27 years old, because... Once he gets an idea or a word in his head that he likes, he will just keep repeating it out loud over and over again. And I don't want him to find himself at his program or the job that he's doing and get into trouble accidentally simply because he likes some swear word that that he got a charge out of. But anyway, he thought it was hilarious. He was like rolling on the floor laughing and it made me so happy because that movie was iconic when I was a kid. It was huge. Everybody was talking about it and even my super Christian parents loved it. So it's kind of fun now to see my kid loving it and then remember back in the day when my parents loved it. And Eddie Murphy Eddie Murphy is still famous, but back in the day, he was one of the world's biggest movie stars. And I mean, A-list, box office gold level superstar. And that wasn't just because he is a charismatic, good-looking actor. I believe he reached the top of the Hollywood mountain because he wrote his own bits. He crafted his own characters and stories and produced his own opportunities. He took all the gifts that the big... Cosmic Sea creator dealt him, and he worked the hell out of that hand, courageously. Or maybe not. Maybe he's one of those people who are naturally confident. I know those people do exist. And, and, and also, I would like to point out that confidence is another C word. And cookie, cookie, cookie starts with C. <laughs> At any rate... It's great to talk about these famous creative people that we probably all know and love because 
They are extreme versions of what can happen when the little C makes the most of what is given by the big C. They are prime examples of creative potential realized, but so are many quiet, unknown witches and hippies and free thinkers and gardeners that I have known in my day. Creativity is a way of life, and for some, a religion, a daily honoring and demonstration of respect for the mystery, as within, so without. Some give the mystery a name and ascribe to it a whole set of mythological characteristics, and some feel the mystery manifests into a very real and potent expression of that energy of the divine in the form of an ancient god or goddess that they work very closely with. And that is completely legitimate. That is a way to access the great mystery from my perspective. I'm not trying to be condescending. I'm just saying that is a harder proposition for me to buy into unless I see that that is a way to connect, to connect to the creative mystery. I'm a person who finds it easier to wrap my head around the ineffable by simply calling it the ineffable, indescribable, too great to capture in words. It is a mysterious creative force that is unknowable in its entirety, but might be known and named in fragments, which I myself am as a creative person. I can honor that and work with that as an extension and perhaps a continuation of it. A little chip off the block of God. That's me, folks. And also, you know, this is something that upsets people so much. One of my favorite subjects is God. And it's one of those things that you should not talk about in polite company because it upsets people so deeply. I have received negative reviews for using the word God. And I'm not thinking of it in terms of masculine or feminine or any kind of anthropomorphic projection of like a being up there calling the shots. I'm really just saying it as this neutral force, this energy. It's not making judgments on us. It just is. It just is. We make it what it is. Gosh, you know what would make this so much easier is if I busted out a couple of books that helped shape my ideas around this. One is Big Magic by Liz Gilbert, and one is Julia Cameron's The Artist's Way. I vividly remember reading The Artist's Way the last time I did it. I did The Artist's Way as a complete 12-week artistic program. I did all the exercises, and I remember feeling really tuned in to her definition of what God is as this big C creative cosmic force that we get to interact with and participate in and are not just the natural extension of, but a contributing factor to what comes next. Uh, it's uh, like I said, I just need I just need to read it to you in her words. But she's a person who also is like, I don't know about God in the sense that you all are talking about it here in this church. 
But as a recovering addict, she encountered this idea of God. When you go to AA, you will be confronted with God, a higher power. It's part of the steps that you work in AA. And so I think that forced her to re-examine what that means to her. And if you're not familiar with the artist way, it's really laid out as a 12-step program to recover your creativity. I highly recommend it. So let me let me grab those books and then I'll be right back. I should also add that it is now March 6th. It is Saturn's Day morning. I am drinking my coffee and picking up where I left off yesterday. I've been talking for a while this morning. I don't know when the cutoff is. Maybe you noticed. Maybe my voice sounds sleepier than it did late last night. But here I am, being creative, creating a podcast episode for you. And here is The Artist's Way, A Spiritual Path to Higher Creativity by Julia Cameron. I am very much going to just hop around and read a few highlighted excerpts not in any particular order. I just wanted to grab a few passages to give you a taste for her perspective on creativity, the big C, the capital cosmic C of creativity as an alternative perspective on God. So she says, the artist way is in essence, a spiritual path initiated and practiced through creativity. And then she goes on to acknowledge that some people are going to be upset with her use of the word God, and then she tries to explain what that energy means to her. She says, what we are talking about is a creative energy. God is useful shorthand for many of us, but so is goddess, mind, universe, source, and higher power. The point is not what you name it. The point is that you try using it. For many of us, thinking of it as a form of spiritual electricity has been a very useful jumping off place. You do not need to understand electricity to use it. I have come to believe that creativity is our true nature, that blocks are an unnatural thwarting of a process at once as normal and as miraculous as the blossoming of a flower at the end of a slender green stem. And then next to that, she quotes the theologian Mary Daly in saying, Why indeed must God be a noun? Why not a verb? The most active and dynamic of all. I learned to turn my creativity over to the only God I could believe in, the God of creativity, the life force Dylan Thomas called the force that through the green fuse drives the flower. I learned to get out of the way and let that creative force work through me. And then she has a chapter called Spiritual Electricity. Spiritual electricity. Electricity. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. <laughs> For most of us, the idea that the creator encourages creativity is a radical thought. We tend to think, or at least fear, that creative dreams are egotistical, something that God wouldn't approve of for us. This thinking must be undone. If you think of the universe as a vast electrical sea in which you are immersed 
and from which you are formed, opening to your creativity changes you from something bobbing in that sea to a more fully functioning, more conscious, more cooperative part of that ecosystem. There's a lot of really interesting quotes in the margins of this book. One of them is from Joseph Chilton Pierce, who I do not know of. Who is Joseph Chilton Pierce? I don't know, but he said, We must accept that this creative pulse within us is God's creative pulse itself. Okay. Julia says... The heart of creativity is an experience of the mystical union. The heart of the mystical union is an experience of creativity. I am suggesting you take the term creator quite literally. You are seeking to forge a creative alliance, artist to artist, with the great creator. Accepting this concept can greatly expand your creative possibilities, and many changes will be set in motion. Chief among these changes will be the triggering of synchronicity. Synchronicity! Every witch's favorite word, right? Right. Synchronicity. (laughs) Many changes will be set in motion. Chief among these changes will be the triggering of synchronicity. We change and the universe furthers and expands that change. Creativity is an experience. To my eye, a spiritual experience. And then she lays out 10 basic principles that I have handwritten out, I have printed out, I have put in many journals and taped to the wall and thought about because this concept that she's talking about, the great creator, the sea, the big sea, as a force of electricity, I find it really empowering. It empowers me. It makes me want to expand So the 10th of these basic principles, the last of these basic principles is our creative dreams and yearnings come from a divine source. As we move toward our dreams, we move toward our divinity. Blasphemy. It's blasphemous, I say. Blasphemous. And then we continue the blasphemy with Elizabeth Gilbert, who actually talks about creativity, the creative force as love, God as love. And I love, love, love that because I am a person who has a history of exploring God as love, experiencing God as love. I definitely have had some hippie trippy experiences that left me with the sensation that All is love. It's all love and groovy, man. So I like that she talks about love. I like that she talks about creativity. And I like that she does it in the same book, on the same subject. Big magic. Your big magic. Your part in the cosmic play. In a section called How Ideas Work... She talks about magic. She says, I have spent my entire life in devotion to creativity, and along the way, I've developed a set of beliefs about how it works and how to work with it that is entirely and unapologetically based upon magical thinking. And when I refer to magic here, I mean it literally, like in the Hogwarts sense. I am referring to the supernatural, the mystical, the inexplicable, the surreal, the divine, 
the transcendent, the otherworldly. Because the truth is, I believe that creativity is a force of enchantment, not entirely human in its origins. I believe the creative process is both magical and magic. There's a chapter in this book called Does It Love You? (laughs) Does it love you? And she talks about a friend of hers who is a botanist. And she quotes this friend in saying, The exchange of love between earth and people calls forth the creative gifts of both. The earth is not indifferent to us, but rather calling for our gifts in return for hers. The reciprocal nature of life and creativity. Or, to put it more simply, nature provides the seed, man provides the garden, each is grateful for the other's help. This is a really great chapter for witches because so many of us love and work with nature. And her friend that is a botanist is also a teacher. She teaches environmental biology, and her students, as Liz Gilbert puts it, are all fervent young environmentalists, earnest as can be, desperate to save the world. But before they can get down to the business of world saving, she often asks her students these two questions. The first is, do you love nature? Every hand in the room goes up. The second question is, Do you believe that nature loves you in return? And every hand in the room goes down. Before she can teach these students how to heal the world, she has to teach them how to heal their notion of themselves in the world. She has to convince them of their right to even be here at all. She has to introduce them to the concept that they might actually be loved in return by the very entity that they themselves revere, by nature itself, by the very entity that created them. That is so deeply healing, potentially healing for so many of us who grew up in religions that taught us that we were born into original sin, we are innately bad And how that has extended also into the environmental movement that centers us as being very, very bad. I like her perspective because she is saying, no, nature loves us. Nature just wants us to stop being abusive fucks (laughs) and to participate in the creative process, to join the dance with love and honor and respect. Later on in the book, she talks about, well, let me just read in her own words. She says, My desire to work, my desire to engage with my creativity as intimately and as freely as possible is my strongest personal incentive to fight back against pain by any means necessary and to fashion a life for myself that is as sane and healthy and stable as it can possibly be. But that's only because of what I have chosen to trust, which is quite simply love. Love over suffering always. And she says that in defense to those who fetishize suffering, which is very cool. I, I, would, I would recommend this book just for that piece. Stop 
fetishizing suffering and go where the love is. She continues on to say, why would your creativity not love you? It came to you, didn't it? It drew itself near. It worked itself into you, asking for your attention and your devotion. It filled you with the desire to make and do interesting things. Creativity wanted a relationship with you. Again, nature provides the seed, man provides the garden, each is grateful for the other's help. I love that there's a fractal dynamic that happens here when a creative person puts themselves out there. For example, myself doing this podcast, it has connected me with collaborators, not just the people who I've had on the show to interview, but people who have made suggestions and requests or sent me a little piece of their life story to connect and give me a fuller idea of who I'm talking to here. And so I know that I'm talking to Riley, who is legally blind but makes visual art. I know I'm talking to this single parent who is raising two kids with special needs on a teacher's budget. I know I am talking to this person who is trying to break up with the Christianity they grew up in, but they're struggling and they don't want me to thank them for being a patron because they're afraid their friends or family or co-workers will hear that they're supporting a show called Hippie Witch. What I'm trying to say is that the creativity doesn't stop with you. It starts with you. Well, it starts further back. But your life, when you're creative, you are launching something that then will be shaped by other people. And other people are going to take it and run with it and make of it what they will. And it becomes something new, something beyond you, because other people engaged with it in some way. It's funny to say, but I see this on social media, too. I love Twitter. That's no secret. And there are people there who I feel my creative life has been informed by. People like Penny of what Penny made. I don't know how I ended up being connected with her on Twitter, but I've watched my friends connect with her also on Twitter. And we all kind of interact with each other in this really beautiful, creative way because she makes art every day and she shares it on Twitter There's a woman there who just goes by Becca. Becca. I think about Becca. I think about Becca and I think about Joanna Said. I don't know Joanna's last name, but she's an editor, I think, of Luna Luna Magazine. She is a published poet, an author, really interesting woman. But Joanna and Becca constantly share their lives in a way that is so creative It could just be a selfie or the way that they prepare food or the way that they envision a train station that they're walking by. And I get so much out of this as somebody who is just hanging out on Twitter. And I'm like, oh, Becca tweeted something profound. And I'm going to think about that all damn day long because Becca is a creative force and Our streams of creativity are overlapping in this really interesting way. 
Phoebe, the infamous elusive Phoebe who pops up here and there on my podcast and definitely behind the scenes, Phoebe Miller of Phoebe Tales is a writer, a fantastic writer who supports other writers and other creatives of all kinds. I have to shout her out right now because, well, not only is she our book club queen over on Discord, but she sent the kid and I a gift card to Kitchen Mouse in Highland Park. Kitchen Mouse is mostly vegan, gluten-free food, so the kid and I can eat just about anything there, and they make this rad macaroni and cheese. She has heard me talk about this on the podcast, and this is the second time she has sent us a sizable gift certificate, which will allow us to purchase said macaroni and cheese and salted chocolate chip cookies. I've been hoarding this this gift card that she gave. She gave it to us quite a while ago, but today is the day. It is sunny. I promised the kid when I wrap up this podcast, we're going to go to Kitchen Mouse. And in this way, Phoebe is contributing to our lives and it is creative. She made a choice, and now here we are, however many Saturdays later, engaging with that experience, and I think that's so cool. Uh, one other person just off the top of my head that comes to mind, too, is somebody that I had on the show a long time ago. Before I ever started doing Patron of the Month, I became intrigued with this character, J.R. Klein. Who is this guy? I drug him on the podcast, and he's so interesting. He used to be a Baptist minister. He sold all his stuff and bought an RV. And for years now, he has been driving around America in his, I think it's an RV. I think he's had a couple different vehicles. But the point is, he is making art of his life in these radical, unusual decisions that he has made. Before, before selling everything and moving into a tiny home on wheels was a thing, JR was doing it. So one thing that I wanted to do here today is update you all on a few of the Patron of the Month interviews that I have done recently, in recent years, because these people have gone on to do creative things that you might want to know about, like music and tarot cards and podcasts. So in at the end of, as it was getting toward the end of February, I realized I had not invited someone onto the show to be patron of the month, and I really wanted to talk to this one witchy mama in particular, so I reached out to her, I forget how many days before the end of the month, but the last week of February, I reached out to her, and I didn't hear back, and so we ended up missing the window. We're going to do it. We're going to do it in March, but at any rate, I was like... I'm going to take this as an opportunity because I've been wanting to follow up on these other interviews that I have done. And so that's, you know, I'm just going to run with that because I can, because I am the god of Hippie Witch. So as the god of Hippie Witch, I have decided that we shall start with one Rory Kelly. You might remember her from December if you teach a bird to sing, singer-songwriter Rory Kelly. We talked about how her next record is going to be called Shadow Work. 
She is in the middle right now of recording and releasing shadow work using Indiegogo to raise funds, and she's selling vinyl records. I think it's so fun that an indie artist is creating vinyl records for the people that are supporting her. So here's a little clip of one of the songs that you get if you if you decide to support Rory's next record on Indiegogo. strong and never shut my mouth I learned the resistance is fuel I won't let you make me a fool is fuel <laughs> guess what if you support her indiegogo campaign you get that song right away i know she rewarded people with that song as a surprise but she also told me that anybody who signs up still right now will get that song when they sign up and i think that's fun rory is a tarot reader rory is a witchy woman Rory is a gifted singer-songwriter, and so it is my honor to shout her out again. And of course, of course, there will be links to everyone on my blog over at joannadevoe.com. This is episode number 497. The numbers get going because I create a lot of content over on Patreon. But episode number 497, the one you're listening to right now, you can find on my blog and there will be a link on Blog Talk Radio, although you tell me the links don't work. You might have to cut and paste it. I apologize, but follow that over and you will find all these people I'm talking about here today. And Google is magic. Google is magic. You can Google any of these people and I'm sure you'll find them pretty quickly. Also, I should definitely take the time here to thank new patrons, Victoria, Elizabeth, Maureen, Laura. Thank you all patrons for supporting the show, for supporting the kid and I, and for being so nice to each other. That's my favorite part, to see y'all make friends and do daily tarot card readings together and shout about books. It's cool. I love it. I love you all. Thank you so much for supporting my creative lifestyle. I hope that it serves your creative life at the same time, that it's a mutual love thing. And speaking of mutual love things, I have not had Gaia on the show. Gaia, you should be the patron of the month for April. <laughs> Let's get ahead of ourselves here. Let's start masterminding new patrons of the month. I do love doing this, in case you haven't noticed. And I actually give no funks about whether or not other people are getting what I'm trying to do here because they prefer a podcast filled with celebrities and world-renowned doctors. I love those podcasts too. I love them too. I just want to make space for all the different creative people that inspire me on a regular basis. And my hope is that they will inspire at least some of you, maybe even enough to go check them out and make a connection. I'm telling you, 
There is a creative community sitting underneath this podcast that if you haven't tapped into yet, you might want to think about it. I also just want to shout out all the different creators who have Patreon accounts that have a Patreon platform. I know it's starting to kind of seem like everybody who makes YouTube videos or a podcast or has a popular blog or might be considered an influencer on social media that they are now launching their own Patreon whatever pages. What do you call them? Patreon accounts. I don't think this is a bad thing. I think it's a great thing for the witchy community specifically because if you think of us as like a bunch of little chapels in a giant community, each chapel is its own flavor and you can commune regularly with creative folks who are like you, who share your perspective maybe on what God is, to circle back on an earlier conversation here. And that's all groovy and good, but then there's a broader, bigger community that exists beyond each of those little specific chapels, as I've randomly decided to call them. But I'm trying to create a visual here, right? And compare it to pagan communities that might take place in a forest, in the woods, you know, the fantasy that we all love and some of us are lucky enough to live. Those of you who are in a coven, perhaps, I think there are these small communities within the greater community forming and it's cool. You don't need to feel pressured to go around and support every creator you love. You can find the community that you love and then you can still engage with the greater community at large, kind of in the same way you might if you went to a conference or a big event or a pagan festival where you live. So I I think it's groovy. I think it's cool. I'm never going to be mad at creative people finding ways to make a living and also creating a kind of paywall between them and the general public when the general public, they don't always get it and they're not always kind about not always getting it. So it's really a relief, I think, that so many creative people have been able to set up a boundary and share their content with people that really, really love it and can receive it and want to get in conversation with it or value it enough that they'll throw a few bucks that way every month. It's it's awesome. Which leads me to the possibility department. I had Luciana on the show a long time ago, I feel like now, but she has just been trucking along with the possibility department, creating programs. A lot of my patrons end up going over there, and so we get some cross-pollination going on with the possibility department. She has been doing interviews now on her podcast, some great, interesting interviews with some interesting, magical, creative people. So she will be in the show notes, so you can check out the possibility department if you haven't done that yet. All ya lux, all ya lux. Oh, there's so much I could say about knowing her behind the scenes because she's kind of a badass. I don't know if you got that sense when I had her on the show last year, whenever I did. She was talking about cybersecurity. She has a podcast called Mystic Praxis. Mystic 
Praxis will also be in the show notes, but I wanted to mention it because she actually started adding a visual component to it. So she records the podcast on video and then it ends up being on YouTube and just a regular podcast like you're listening to this podcast right now. And it's cool because she wanted to have, she wanted to show things like she keeps an art journal and I think she wanted to just show that side of herself. So now there's video for Mystic Praxis. Maybe check out her interview with Crystal Baller. Yes, there's an actual woman named Crystal Baller. (laughs) And she's on the Mystic Praxis podcast. And then finally, I wanted to mention Jamie Gold. What the hell? I feel like I had Jamie Gold on the podcast to talk about the creation process of the key tarot. And then I turned around and like a year went by, two years went by, a long time went by, and then there it was, the key tarot. And it's so cool. It's everything she said that it would be, but there's something about actually seeing the finished product that I was, I was like, oh, wow. Wow, this is totally cool. It's very modern. She co-created this tarot deck using photographs of real people in nature, but also in city and suburban settings. So it just feels very fresh and cool. And there's diversity within the deck because, again, these are real people. And the colors, the colors pop. I love the color scheme for the key tarot. So if you're looking to check out a new tarot deck, you definitely should check out the key tarot, which will be in the show notes. I really had to narrow this down. And if I missed somebody and if you're like, but, 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 Joe, what about me? Let me know. Let me know. Okay. Let me know. I'm not shy about shouting out people that I think are amazing. And you all are amazing for hanging out with me here. Thank you so much for listening to the Hippie Witch Podcast. I hope you're loving it so far this year. Season four, we got our cheesy churchy theme song because creativity. Creativity. I want to get more adventurous with the content creation so that it just isn't a grind. So that I don't feel like, here I go again, rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. Rinse and repeat. That for me is a spirit killer, which is why sometimes I just randomly bust into song. (laughs) There's lots of laughing and goofiness because it just, I need it to feel fresh for it to be sustainable. So it might get a little bit weirder than it used to be because I'm feeling kind of bold in this. I've been doing this a long time. We're about to have the 500th episode. Can you believe it? I'm so excited. That, I'm not a big number person, but something about something about 500, it's like so cool. It's half a thousand, if you can believe that. <laughs> and I've created many more podcasts that were not counted among the Hippie Witch countdown. So I'm feeling pretty confident. Like, you know, I might want to bust a weird move every once in a while. Why not? Why not? In a world of so many podcasts now... All I can offer you is myself, the things I love, the people I love, the books I love, 
the ideals I have and hope that you can receive it and that we have a good time here together. So until we meet again, much love to you. Peace. C is for cookie, that's good enough for me. C is for cookie, that's good enough for me. C is for cookie, that's good enough for me. Cookie, cookie, cookie starts with C.